Good People, Cool Things is a podcast featuring conversations with entrepreneurs, writers, musicians, and other creatives. Get inspired by their stories to do your own cool thing. And here's your host, Joey Held. Welcome to Good People, Cool Things. Today's guest is Dave Heron, the mind behind the 10x value rating system and the author of the new book, 75 Best NBA Players and Teams Rated by Statistician Who Has Seen Games Since 1947. That's 75 years of watching games. That's more than twice as long as I've been alive. And I like to think I'm a huge basketball fan. Dave blows me out of the water with the amount of knowledge that he has had about basketball. Any Hoops fan is going to enjoy this conversation. We're talking about the best players in NBA history, including one that you maybe might not expect. It might not be one of the first guys that comes to mind when you think of top NBA players. We're also looking at the best rebounders, best playmakers, the best overall team, which we've seen a couple of good ones in the last few years. Not quite the best one, though, so you'll definitely want to stick around and see some of that. Dave also has a great memory of the first time he met Wilt Chamberlain, and he's talking all about that story and just so much so much good basketball stuff going on in here. You know I'm a huge basketball fan if you've listened to this podcast even one time. Uh, and there's just so many cool things that we're diving into, and I think you're going to really dig it. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, you can reach out via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at GPCT Podcast, or send me an email, joey at goodpeoplecoolthings.com. Always love hearing from you. Love, love hearing what you like about a show and maybe what you dislike. But if you're going to tell me what you dislike, tell me that directly and put the part that you like on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. A quick little five-star review there would do you plenty of good. It's just what the doctor prescribed, except you don't have to take medicine. It's just clicking a button to give five stars. Very simple, very wonderful, very enjoyable, just like this conversation with Dave. For people that maybe aren't familiar with your work, you came up with the Tendex value rating. Can you give us a, a little peek? Like, how, how did you come up with that? Well, I actually started, uh, I was attending the University of Delaware, sophomore year. The uh, sports editor of the student newspaper was down the hall from me in, in, a, in a dormitory. We got to talk in sports all the time. And he said, why don't you just come in and, and, and write something for the new, student newspaper? And I had been kind of dodging that because my dad had said, whatever you do, don't ever become a journalist. <laughs> my dad worked for the New York Times. He said, don't become a journalist. And then the next words out of his mouth would have with some kind of clue as to what you should write and what you should say. So he's teaching me how to be what he's telling me what not to be. And here I am. Um, I was actually very well prepared to start out uh, my sophomore year at college writing sports because I was a big sports fan. I was already 10 years and more than 10 years an NBA fan uh, starting in 1947. So when I was uh, nine years old, so, so here, here I am at the, age, at the age of 20. I had been an NBA fan already for 11 years. Uh, and I go to this game and I noticed that the guy who's supposed to be the team star player doesn't look that good to me. He, had, <laughs> he scored a lot of points, but he was just a gunner. He, he was not a team player at all, and he missed an awful lot of shots. So I, I started doing a little computation of my own because every time I called in a game, they wanted to know the high score. 
I thought it was a dumb question because the high scorers is not always the best player as the Celtics and Bill Russell will tell you, you know, um, but, and Russell at that time was very prominent in the NBA. Anyway, I go to this game and find out, lo and behold, the high scorer is not the best player. So I started making little tabulations and I, there were only five of them at that time. Um, points, rebounds, assists, um, field goal and free throw shooting percentages, which included missed shots. So I add the pluses and then have the minuses for missed shots. And lo and behold, the guy who scored nine points a game was a much better player than the guy who was scoring 18. And I, I wrote this up for the student newspaper. It wound up in the Wilmington Morning News at the Metropolis Daily and went, went on from there. Um, my first job out of college, my dad actually helped me get this job, uh, was with the New York Knicks organization. And it went very long. In fact, it was a very short time before they made me this team statistician. <laughs> and here I am, this kid right out of college. I'm the, I'm the New York Knicks statistician. And then the first contact I have with a player, I see this huge, huge finger coming around pointing at the stats that I'm computing. And I was running more stats at that time because I had a few more. Uh, it wasn't 10x yet, but I, there were eight or nine stats by, 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 by that time. There were no uh, steals, turnovers, or blocks, but there were, there were some more stats than originally. Um, anyway, I'm, I'm computing them. And, and this guy with the huge finger, he said, he said to me, I hear you're, you do these, Ratings, he said, what's my rating? And I turn around and look, and it's Will Chamberlain. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, well, well you, you, you're one of the two uh, greatest players in the world right now, and you're, you, know, you have this great rating, et cetera, et cetera. And he said, Who, who's, the, who's the other guy? And he said, is it Russell? I said, no, it's, it's, it's not Russell. It's not, he's not even close. It's just between you. And he said, oh, I know, it's the big O. And I said, yeah, that's right. It's you and Oscar Robertson are the two greatest. And I, I, I showed him the statistics to prove it. I mean, he was just, you know, that was the year he scored 50 points a game. And Robertson was already getting triple doubles all over the place, even though at that time they did not give out many, as many assists as they later did. So he's losing three or four assists a game, and he's still averaging a triple double. And he's just a kid, just like Chamberlain was just a kid. So this was really the beginning of it because – Later on, when I put things together, the four names that came out as the greatest of all time, and the others weren't even close, were Chamberlain, Robertson, Michael Jordan, and LeBron James. So you have two from the recent past and two from the distant past. And this kind of helps to verify 10x in a way because it shows there's no um, partiality. The league really grew up after the 24 second clock was installed in, in 1954. So the 60s were just as great uh, for the top players as the 80s were. Uh, and, and there were great players all along. There's been, you know, recently we've, LeBron James is still playing. And he's one of the four greatest. And there's been a lot of great ones lately. And there were a lot of great ones in the 60s. There's a lot of great ones in the 80s. It's well balanced, except for the very beginning when they when the when the players they weren't getting any money 
So they weren't, they weren't keeping in shape. And some of them were splitting their time playing basketball and doing other things. Like Ernie Vandeway was a doctor. He was a New York Knicks, a pretty good player. He would just quit during the middle of the season because he would say, I, I, I got to make some money. And so he'd go back to his doctor practice for the rest of the season. Um, <laughs> these, these guys were actually poor and they weren't in shape. They weren't getting themselves, keeping themselves in shape. The physical start and the great athlete start uh, occurred after the 24 second clock. Up until that time, about for about the first 10 years, the NBA was not a great league. And I don't, I don't care what you, you see written about it. the legendary path. Well, the legend, the truth of the legend is that those guys were not very good. Uh, Bob Cousy, uh, he he shot about. 375 was his field goal percentage. Joe Folks, I saw it written. Yeah, he was a fantastic shooter, legendary shooter. He shot 30 <laughs> percent. Um, these guys were not very good. And if you go to the back of, of, of my of my book, the uh, 75, and you see the list of 75 great players, and then a bunch of honorable mentions, and right down at the very bottom of the pile, about number 100. Uh, are, are uh, George Mikan and Bob, Bob Cousy. Those are the only ones from that first decade. And they write and they're right at the bottom because they weren't that good. Um, Cousy was embarrassed by Robertson the first time and, and the second time they played so bad. Uh, I mean, it's, it, Robertson's rating was something like 1.125. I mean, and Cousy was something like 100. <laughs> and they, they, play, they played each other. And Cousy was still in his prime. Uh, they were just miles apart. The league was growing up. And, and it really did with Chamberlain and Robertson and Jerry West and, and, and Bill Russell and Jerry, Jerry Lucas, guys like this. The, the, the league grew up. But... <laughs> Uh, I hate it when, when they talk, talk, talk talking about legendary great players like Joe Folks and Bob Cousy because it just was not true. It wasn't true, but it was a lot of fun. Uh, you know, talking about legendary people was a lot of fun, but it wasn't true. I remember doing in high school. We had uh, the Mike and Drill that we would do, where it was, I I believe it was just shooting layups, but sort of as a as, as a jump hook and i i always remember thinking like what is the purpose of this like we we're not it wasn't even like layup lines it was like standing under the basket and then taking a step out to do it. and i was like what yeah. what situation are we finding ourselves in and yeah. i i mean george michael very tall obviously so maybe he's he's finding himself there but just wild yeah but that was it they were just going back to the primitive days of the league where if a guy got her offensive rebound you could go step back a step and lay the ball in, in the basket and not, not have to worry about having it blocked like of course in the in the 60s there were a bunch of guys who could do that not just russell chamberlain blocked as many shots as russell did and, and other guys could, you could not shoot if robertson got in your face you could not shoot over I mean, these guys were, were skywalkers. There's, there's this photo of Robertson, um, and his head is three inches below the basket. And when you compute that, he's 6'5", that's 117 inches. Um, so for, so, so uh, you just figure it out, and, and, you'll, and you'll find that, that he's um, 40, his feet are 40 inches off the floor because he got a 40 and a three is 43, and, and his height 
uh, makes up the, 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 the difference between, I think it was 70, 77 inches was his height. He, he was six foot five. So that shows that he's a 40 inch leaper, 40 inch leaper. And he's, he's rebounding. I mean, if he's actually trying to jump, he could probably go a few inches higher than that. He's actually rebounding and he's 40, he's 40, 40 inches off the floor. These guys were great athletes, um, Robertson and Chamberlain. They, they, they just really were. Um, Chamberlain once made a free throw. He was a terrible free throw shooter. He was so powerful. He had a terrible touch from the line. He was like Shaq from the line. He was just humongous and powerful. Only he was more athletic than Shaq. He could he move up on the floor, up and down the floor better than Shaq. But Shaq was the same way. And they were terrible free throw shooters. So he goes, he steps back a few feet from the foul line. He's shooting a free throw. And he runs up, leaves his feet behind the free throw line, jams the ball before his feet hit the floor. And the league panics. They said, we can't let him do that. We can't let him do that. <laughs> they let the Celtics get away with anything they wanted to because Red Auerbach was king. Uh, and that's how Russell got all its acclaim, which he didn't deserve. But <laughs> Will Chamberlain or Oscar Robinson did something. The league went crazy because Auerbach was running the league and that's not going to like this. We can't, we can't let Will do that. We can't let Oscar do that. <laughs> it, was, it, it was exceedingly imbalanced from that perspective in favor of the Celtics. But as far as the talent was concerned, the talent was, was there in the, in the 60s. It really was after Chamberlain and Robertson arrived. I should share a, an apology to my mom and sister. This I always thought it was extremely common knowledge that Wilt Chamberlain scored 100 points in a game. And I remember my mom and sister were playing a home version of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? And the million-dollar question was what NBA player scored 100 points in a basketball game? And again, I thought this was very simple. So I was like, oh, yeah, of course it's Michael Jordan. Like, obviously, they'd know I'm kidding. And they did not know that. So they guessed Michael Jordan. And they did not win the million dollars. And I I don't think ever made it back to the million-dollar question. So I I apologize that my my family did not get a fake a million dollars because of my condescending answer. Yeah. Oh, you bad guy! I know. I'm so, I'm so terrible. I actually, <laughs> actually, actually, I don't think um, Jordan ever even challenged it. The only guy who even got within 20 points of it was Kobe Bryant. I think he hit 81 or something like that. But that isn't really very close to 100. <laughs> but I don't. No, think yeah, Jordan, it was. I don't think and Jordan I remember that game. Huh? I remember that game because it was. Um, it was the afternoon of, I believe, uh, during the football season. It was either. Like conference championships or Super Bowl or something like that. So it was like just a random Sunday afternoon game that that Kobe game. And yeah, it was. I it seemed like he was scoring a lot, and I know he scored like I don't know the last twenty points or something like that. And yeah, still still well off of a hundred, which is just insane. And by that time, he was trying to to, he was they were feeding him too to to get the last twenty. Wilt, I think, just kind of. Scored about 25 each quarter. He was just pouring them in. And oh, the one thing he did well in the 100-point game that he didn't do well ordinarily was to shoot free throws. He made something like 29 out of 32 free throws. If he had got, hey, if he'd been shooting them as normal, he probably would have gotten about 85 points. But but uh, he got about 15 more than he normally would have, would have out, of, out of 32 by getting, by getting almost, you know, all but three. 
because he, he, he was a he was a bad free throw shooter. If he did fifty percent, that was that was about normal for Wilford from the free throw. Good reminder to always practice your free throws. That's why that's why the coaches always hammer it in because you can you well maybe not score a hundred points someday, but maybe you know maybe someone listening is a a future NBA player and you, if if you're not knocking down those freebies. You're going to have a disappointing 85. The other side of the coin, though, is how many field goals <laughs> does he get just on sheer strength, power, leaping ability, <laughs> and athleticism uh, that other people don't have. And that was one of the things that all four of those guys, the great players, had was athleticism. And they could, all, all four of them could just jump through the roof. They could, you know, even wealthy could be tremendous leaper. Um, and they had great athletes. Wilt was a quarter mile, a world class quarter mile. Robertson picked up a baseball bat once, took a swing, and hit the ball 375 feet on a solid line. And I saw this, and it was it was it was just a little show, you know. We'll give Oscar a pitch and let him hit it, and everybody would smile and laugh. And you know, Oscar when it grew up, he just ripped the hell out of the ball. He, <laughs> these guys were great athletes, of course. Jordan, when he, quote, retired, end quote, two years, it was more, more resting his legs than retiring. He knew he was coming back. But for two years, what did he do? He played golf, played, played professional baseball. He was a great athlete. LeBron James, uh, the same way, he's just a great athlete. He, he, and you can tell it when you see them on the floor. that they're, they're All of them had this mu- great musculature. And, but, but the grace, they all have grace. Usually the muscle-bound guys aren't that graceful. Um, these guys were just phenomenal, those four players. Now, we've talked about the the top players of all time, but you're also able to to pick out some of the other uh, more like niche types of players, uh, including like the best rebounder and kind of top playmakers and things like that. So are these four among that too? Or, or who is more like a specialist, like a, a greatest, let's go greatest rebounder and, and best well, playmaker well, in NBA history? All four of them are pretty high on the list in several categories. Let's put it that way. <laughs> uh, Robertson, of course, you know, the greatest backcourt rebounder of all time and probably the greatest playmaker if you considered that they were re- robbing him of about four or five assists a game by not counting the ones to players with their backs to the basket which they now do. Uh, and <laughs> so he was probably the, uh, not the greatest playmaker. Stockton comes out in a logical formula, but for bulk stats, which are hard because you're, when you play too many minutes, you get tired. But Robertson is playing 45 a game and Chamberlain's playing more like 47 or so. <laughs> and Russell's playing 45. And they're, they're prime, prime careers. They just weren't on the bench very much, but they were getting tired, except for Russell, who was resting a lot of times at the defensive end of the floor. But these guys, <laughs> um, the, uh, the greatest rebounder, I thought, would be either Russell or Chamberlain. But logically, it, it is which player got the highest percentage of the rebounds that were available in a game? It, and the only guy who exceeded 20% was Dennis Rodman. And I fought this because bulk totals, he wasn't anywhere near Chamberlain and Russell. But his team played a much slower game pace that would let much less opportunities for ball possessions. And he also played a lot less minutes. 
So Russell and Chamberlain, even though they had a lot more total rebounds, Rodman was actually a more efficient rebounder. Now I fought that because I no, this can't be true. It can't be true. It's got to be either Chamberlain or Robertson or, or, or Russell because they had the most. But it, but that in that particular instance, it wasn't Wilt. It was Rodman, and it drove me nuts because I couldn't, I I could not decipher it. You know, uh, Rodman <laughs> was not a world hero, but the stats don't lie. You know, you get a logical stat. The guy who's the best at it, and Stockton was the best at at, at the playmaking with his percentage of assists. Even though everybody in this generation would say, "No, that would have to be Magic." From my generation, it would, it would say, "Well, that have to be Robertson." No, it was Stockton. Just like the rebounds were Rodman. The important thing is to get the logical statistic, and and for for assists, it, it's the percentage. Percentage of team assists is one good way to do it, or or just the percentage of team baskets that you assist upon uh, while you're on the floor. That's that's another good way. But you have to have to factor in ball possessions, and that one does. So you have a logical stat. There were actually there was more than one Tendex stat. There were actually two dozen of them, and only one of them. I had to just give up on it and say, I don't like this one. And one and a guy came along and, and it was Bob Bellotti. He said, well, you, you don't like this stat. Let me use it. So I said, yeah, go ahead. And he used it and he got into an encyclopedia. His, his, <laughs> his, his, his player, data, player database got into an encyclopedia. And lo and behold, Michael Jordan, according to that encyclopedia, how many times do you think he was the player of the year in the NBA? Uh, either every time or zero times. <laughs> zero, zero, because the stat didn't work. That's why I didn't like it because it didn't work. What it did not do was to consider uh, positional standards and and the, and and the shooting guard positional standard rating or average rating uh, for the shooting guards is way below that of the centers. So you had to make that adjustment. Jordan's percentage above the standard was the best in the league eight times, which according to Tendex makes him the player of the year eight times. But that one fouled up Tendex stat that was used, and I know that the guy who edited the, the, the another guy who edited the encyclopedia, he was a big Jordan fan. He must have said, oh no, but they were committed to using it. They couldn't change it until that minute. So he's, he's editing a book it's robbing his favorite player of eight <laughs> players of the year. <laughs> oh, uh, I got a laugh out of that. This guy, I didn't get along with that guy. I'm not even going to tell you his name, but I had a big smile at that. He, he must have, I don't know how much flack he must have taken for, for that, <laughs> but it must have been a lot because there's a lot of Michael Jordan fans out there that must have hated that. And that was that that was toward the end of his career. He was still playing at that time, so that made things even worse for that poor encyclopedia. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. I'm just thinking back to the. I grew up in Chicago, so I, I you know, Michael Jordan very prevalent. I throughout that that time of growing up, and yeah, watching Rodman and Hale rebounds and and Jordan just stable day. It's, it seemed like get a basket anytime. I, uh, you know, he he needed to or put his mind to yeah. it, and it was just fantastic 
to watch all around. Now, another topic of discussion, you'll, you'll see NBA fans arguing about this all the time beyond just greatest players or, or top rebounder or playmaker or anything like that are the best teams of all time. And we've seen some impressive teams. You know, there's the the Warriors dynasty breaking the Bulls record of, of most wins in a regular season, even though they didn't win a championship. So, I mean, I think that takes them down a peg. But again, I'm a biased Bulls fan. So that happens. But there's, you know, lots of great teams over the years, and people are always debating back and forth between it. So through 10 decks, wh- who is the best team of all time? Well, first of all, those those um, Bulls and uh, Warriors, uh, teams that won titles that, that you're talking about, the 90s with the Bulls, and then just recently when the Warriors had the great, great team with with Curry, the shooter, and then good players at the other positions, including Kevin Durant, who was the best player on the team for, for the, you know, at the height of the team's team's success, he was the best player on the team. But they just had a lot of great players on that team. And those two, the, the Jordan, Kippen, Pippen, uh, Rodman, Bulls, and, and the Curry, uh, Durant, Warriors, were two of the top three of all time when you, when you did the ratings. And, but the, 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 the team that came out on top um, and, and did in almost every category was the Milwaukee Bucks of 1970-71. They had, uh, they clinched the number one seed record. They were, it was more than a month before the end of the season and they had already clinched. So the last six games, they rested Robertson and uh, Abdul Dubar a lot. And they lost five of the six. Otherwise, they would have been right up there in the win category with the Bulls and, and, and uh, the Warriors. But even, even with that terrible finish, they had the highest 10x rating, efficiency rating of any team in history. And one of the team, one of the reasons for it, I think, was they well, they played in the strongest um, division of the league in history. The, 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 um, every team in their division was a winning team. And they had they won. I think the teams in the in the division won something like seventy percent of their games, but they only won one game against the Milwaukee Bucks with Robertson and Robertson and Abdul Jabbar. That that team only lost one game in that in that division. It was phenomenal. They get into the playoffs. They only lost one game in the whole playoffs. And in and in the, in the championship series, they won four straight. Robertson shuts down. Um, what, what was his name? Uh, Earl of Pearl Monroe, who was, who was a great player. But Robertson shuts him down. Abdul Dubar outplays Wes Unsell, and, and it's, it is no contest. And at that time, there were literally eight good teams in the league because there were eight ch- different championship teams in the NBA in the 1970s. The Knicks were at their peak at that time. They had won two titles. Um, the Celtics were still strong. They won two more after Russell retired. So, you know, Russell wasn't a one-man team. Havlicek leads into two more in the 1970s. But this Milwaukee Bucks team was so good that they could just about do whatever they wanted, whenever they wanted. And they did have the greatest um, Pendex rating of all time. Uh, if you don't count the last six games, it was 114.8. If you do count it, if you do count, count the, the those five losses, it drops to something like 112 point something, but it's still the highest rate, the index rating of all time of any team, including the, the Warriors and the Bulls teams. 
There, there's just no way, logical way, of denying that, that that team was the greatest of all time. And of course, Abdul Dabar was the second greatest center of all time behind Chamberlain. And Robertson was the greatest guard of all time. Uh, well, the greatest point guard. There's a debate between him and Jordan overall. But they had great players and they had another Hall of Famer on the team and they had a great bench. They had, they had no flaws whatsoever on that team. Now, now um, the Warriors and, and the Bulls did have, a, the, the Bulls had a, bit, a bad center. They were bad at the center position, really bad. And uh, the Warriors were only average at the center position. So Abdul Dabar could have torn either of those teams up. And I think Robertson could have really handled, I think Curry would have had a terrible time getting a shot off over Robertson from the backcourt. Everybody did when Robertson tried to shut him down. Uh, I think that if, when you look at the matchups, that that Milwaukee Buck team uh, could have could have beaten those, those other two great teams, but they were great. Uh, to be the number two in, or number three of the greatest of all time is not bad. And I come from New York where a lot of people were arguing for the, one of the two Nick, Nick teams, but that they weren't even close. They were just <laughs> New York, you know, and I was a New Yorker myself, but they weren't even close to, to those three teams. Uh, those three were great, great teams. I mean, uh, uh, the uh, Warriors had a great two guard, Clay Thompson. Um, I, I don't know if he's still there or not because things have changed the last couple of years, but, but, uh, and the Bulls, you know, Jordan, if Jordan's peak was before they started winning titles, but they didn't have any teammates. He didn't have any teammates up until 1989 or 1990, 18, uh, 1990. But then he gets Pippen and, and he gets Horace Grant, who's good, but not as good as Rodman was when he came along. So they have, for the 1996 team, which may have been their best, probably was, was Jordan was, was, came back fresh from his rest. So he was almost as good as ever, at least for the 90s, he was as good as ever. Pippen was as good as he was ever, and Rodman also. And they had, they had um, uh, what was his name, the, the, the point guard? Well, actually, Jordan was playing point at this time, uh, Ron Harper. Harper was actually a two guard also, but they wanted Jordan to have the ball. So the truth of the matter is that Jordan for a while there uh, really was the point guard. He had the ball most of the time. Yeah, I, I very much enjoyed watching that team. And I'll even argue as well that uh, another top performance from Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is he may have my favorite NBA cameo in a movie with his appearance in Airplane. It always cracks me up. Yeah, I thought that was he good. Does, Pretty he does good. a terrific job. Terrific job on there. All right, Dave, you're almost off the hook, but we always like to wrap up with a top three. And you've been watching basketball, like you said, 75 years. So lots to pick from, and this might be hard to to narrow down, but do you have top three moments from your NBA fandom experience? Okay, one, well, obviously the, the Chamberlain thing, that was, that was pretty awesome for a kid. And turn around, there's Will Chamberlain. Yeah. <laughs> He's having 50 points a game and he wants to know what you're doing. That, that's one of them. Um, John Stockton assist in the 1992 Olympic Games. Uh, never forget that one. I mean, the greatest Magic and Robertson were, uh, this was the greatest, even of individual assist probably ever. And, and Stockton really was the best uh, 
point guard. He wasn't as flashy as Magic, and he wasn't as strong as Robertson. But he he really was the greatest point guard for as far as getting the assists, really doing it. And this one, he is flying out of bounds trying to get a loose ball. He's parallel to the ground, uh, and he's about to land with a crash in the seats uh, beside the court. He gets his hand on the ball, his right hand on the ball, and Carl Malone sees it and immediately starts running toward the, the offensive basket, and he's open. But everybody else is thinking, well, Stockton is just going to bat the ball back in. But Stockton somehow manages to get his hand around and under the ball before he crashes, and I, that happens to hurt. And he, he gets it, not only gets his hand underneath the ball, but he gets it behind his back and flips it over his back just as he crashes. And it goes through the air, 25 feet, lands right in Malone's hands for an easy layup. I, I've, I've never seen a better play like that. It was just phenomenal. Um, and I wasn't, I wasn't live that one. I, was on TV. I saw that one on TV. Um, the Chamberlain thing was sentimentally my favorite, obviously. And then I saw Wilt again a year before he died, and, and he was you know, with some kids that he was he was conducting authentically uh, handicapped kids. Um, my Wilt moments were, were great ones. Um, Robertson, I actually, unlike everybody else in that, I didn't see a whole lot of it because his teams were so you know, they were small market teams, so they weren't on TV very much. But whenever I did see him, he was just slaughtering the opposition. I mean, he, he in play, in, in okay, in all-star games, Robertson was named 12 times to the team. And he, he was partly half time, about half the time in the East and about half the time in the West. They were shifting the teams around and Cincinnati was going back and forth. Uh, and then Milwaukee, too, they were in the middle. They could be either east or west. He was on the winning team 11 times. And you think, wow, out of 12. And you think, wow, what a coincidence. But then you start looking at the stats and you find out that the matchups, and at that time they really tried to win the games. They put the best player on the floor for 35 minutes and they played, played against each other head to head for 35 minutes. Then the reserves came in, to, in to, yeah, just like the regular season games they tried to win so they played their best and so robertson is playing koozie and he annihilates him, just annihilates him I, I told you about that he does the same to jerry west annihilates him. the lakers get get really miffed about that so they say well we're going to get even with oscar they say well we're going to put elgin baylor against robertson to see who's the greatest six five player in the history of the league well robertson baylor was supposed to be big and strong and better, you know, strong as Robertson turns out to be stronger than Baylor. Robertson is a monster. They didn't call him the big O for nothing. He had these huge muscles. Baylor had more bulk, but Robertson was strong. He could jump. To, you know, he was great jump. He shuts Baylor out for one quarter. Uh, the team, Robertson's team is ahead. The East team is ahead by nine points. And Robertson has nine points. He not only shuts Baylor out, but he holds him down and rebounds. He just shuts him out. You know, maybe he got one or two rebounds. The West team puts Baylor back at power forward, and the East winds up winning the game by nine points. And I'm wondering uh, if they had kept Baylor on Robertson for the other three quarters, would, would the East have won by 36 points? 
Chris Robertson was so much better than Baylor. <laughs> um, Robertson's uh, persona, he, he was also the, the player leader who got the, the rules changed so that when a team drafted a player, they didn't own him forever. And of course, that, that Robertson did that as much for himself as he did for everybody else. But he was the leader who did that. And, and from that time on, reserves who hardly played at all were millionaires. Before that, they were trying to make ends meet for their household because they weren't getting any money. So Robertson was important in that respect, too. I remember him for that. Um, I remember Red Auerbach being a great coach and a great con man. Whenever somebody heard him talking about um, Bill Russell being the greatest player, they would say, well, what about Chamberlain or what about Robertson? He'd say, well, Russell used to puke before games, you know, like, this is such a big, big, big revelation, you know. <laughs> well, you, Russell used to puke before games. Well, who, who cared? I mean, <laughs> but if you read about this stuff, it's if the, it's if the um, media who were writing about it, they took it seriously. They took it seriously. They like, were saying something important. And well, Russell, did you know he repeated puke before games? <laughs> so what? So he got a lot of room in the locker room. <laughs> That's all I meant. But that was another... Uh, not a, a playing highlight, but but Red Auerbach was such he was he was just so much better than any other coaches, and he was so much better at evaluating talent. And he got, he basically got a got Russell in a steel deal. He got Byrne in a steel deal. Um, he, he just was so much better than everybody in the front office. Um, uh, that, that's highlights that I'm thinking about. Um, the things that come to my mind right away. Uh, the only play that came to my mind was the Stockton play, but the other things were highlights too, and you know, the personals. Uh, and uh, and I, I may mention more about Robertson than Jordan because uh, when I was I, Robertson was when I was young, when I really cared about it, and uh, also because uh, everybody knows about Jordan. Um, he was just fantastic, but everybody knows that. So I've really been talking more about Robertson and Chamberlain for that reason. Uh, James and, and, and Jordan were just about as good. Uh, it's, but, but, uh, but those four, though, really were the best four of all time. Yeah, and I'm, I'm glad I at least got to watch two of them I, growing up. And, and still, I know a lot of people are, are still LeBron haters out there. And I'm just like, you can just admire how good he is at basketball. Like, you don't have to root for him but like hate watching it's not it's never a way to go i think it's like enjoy what you're doing yeah yeah that's because he he didn't sign with the knicks <laughs> <laughs> he made decision that he made this decision at the 2008 olympics where Dwayne wade was the best player he wanted to play with Dwayne wade he wanted to win he wasn't winning much in fact i don't think he had won a title yet uh in cleveland later he did win one in cleveland um and he won one in l.a but he wanted to win titles. So he signs to be Dwayne Wade's teammate. And they do. In four years, they go to the championship series four times and they win two titles. And Wade was phenomenal, just like James was. So <laughs> he was smart. They hated him because he didn't go to New York. And <laughs> that's dumb, the dumb reason. And I'm a New Yorker. It's a dumb reason. But that's the reason that they hated him because he didn't go to New York. 
Just smart, smart business savvy by LeBron, which we've seen plenty of throughout throughout yeah. his career for sure. I think those four guys were, were all smart guys, as far as I can say. They all wound up, you know, in a better environment than when they started out. Absolutely, and for people that want to learn more about you and and the Tendex value rating and all of that good stuff, where can they find you? My website is Tendex by DaveHeron.com. And Heron is spelled H-E-E-R-E-N. So that's Tendex by DaveHeron.com. Um, books are available there and also stuff, you know, <laughs> uh, like we've been talking about. But, but Amazon.com is a fine way to go. Fantastic. Well, Dave, thank you so much for taking the time to chat. I always love hearing about hoops and, and talking talking basketball there's plenty to dive in and i i'm obviously we only scratched the surface there's so much more within the book so appreciate you taking the time to chat well well, thanks for for having me on joey um and thanks for giving me a time to talk sometimes i just ramble uh i'm kind of like door after he rambles sometimes and especially in games where there's happy the delay of some kind he's a rambler and i'm a rambler and by the way he thought robertson was he thought Robinson was the greatest also. The greatest. He did. He said that one time on TV. I like it. I like it. Well, in the spirit of Bill Raftery, let's tell a corny joke to wrap up as we always do. You know, basketball used to be really addicting for me, but thankfully I rebounded. <laughs> Get after it today, people. Good People, Cool Things is produced in Austin, Texas. If you're a fan of this episode, go ahead and hit that follow button. That helps more people hear the show. You can send me a message, joey at goodpeoplecoolthings.com. Thank you to all of the guests who have been on Good People, Cool Things. You can check out all the old episodes via goodpeoplecoolthings.com. As always, thank you for listening and have a wonderful day. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 